1: Our world on 106.5 FM
2: Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside,
1: and 1050 AM Palm Springs.
2: But today we're being joined by movie maker
3: John Barber. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you both very much for having me on the show. It's interesting that you call us the House of Mystery, because there is no mystery about the uh, assassination of President John Kennedy because the case was solved by Jim Garrison in 1967 when he arrested Clay Shaw. And I am absolutely delighted to be here to talk to you about Jim Garrison, the murder of John Kennedy. And uh, as a former film critic, let me ask, ask you first, Tell us, why did you invite me on the show?
0: Um, well, you know, that was that was me. And um, for, the, for the most part, we try to have as much information as we can. And so everybody that writes books or um, does a, a movie such as yourself or anything like that, I'm really interested in having them on. And I want to give them a forum, a good, uh, you know, a solid hour where we can sit down and talk about what, you think and and how you come up with your theory, who you are, where you came from and kind of put it together. So we're not trying to give people uh tell them what to think, we're just trying to show them all of the options. So we had Max Holland and we had Roger Stone, we've had Barr McClellan, we've had tons. But um you were one I wanted on a few times and I, I keep getting sidetracked because of work. And <laughs> and that's how it goes. But now I finally got a hold of you, and, and here we are.
3: Now, what was the film that you saw, Alan, prompted you to have me on in the first place?
0: It was the Jim Garrison tapes, and I come across them on YouTube. They are all divided up, and I checked out your website. So that's how I came across you. Well,
3: the Ben, uh, I presume you haven't seen part two of the Garrison tapes which is called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John right. Kennedy. Right. Well, let me, I will tell you this absolutely immodestly, and we can get into the story of how I got accidentally involved with Jim Garrison. And I must tell you, in my entire life, all the absolutely wonderful, magnificent things that happened to me, like uh, Getting Real People on the Air, a show I created in the late 70s, earned me the moniker uh, as the godfather of reality television from creating that monster hit on NBC, which uh, I ran uh, as a producer and writer for three years. The very first show I got when I first contacted Jim Garrison, which was the AM show, the first morning news show that ABC did in Los Angeles, where I won my first of five Emmys. I'm the only one in television that won Emmys for both entertainment and news, and then again to making the second film, all of the things that happened to me, Al and Kevin, all the great things happened by accident, and all the things that were disasters were things that I absolutely and totally well planned. Now, I'm not religious at all, but I must tell you, somehow I became destined as this poor orphan kid from a dysfunctional family in Toronto, long before it was popular, to a guy that was deported from the country twice, to end up as a, the man who changed the face of American television with the creation of what I call the entertainment of reality, and becoming Jim Garrison's Boswell, seen somehow predestined. And I say that because that's what it looks like when I am a totally non-religious person. I was the first person in America to review movies on um, on the news. I was 10 years with the LA, L.A. magazine and 5 years at NBC in Los Angeles brought there by Tom Brokaw. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What do you guys think is the most important movie ever made in America? Oh boy. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> that scared me. You know what? That scared me as a six-year-old kid. I hid under the seat for crying out loud. And you know that nobody is aware of the fact that that movie bombed. Yeah, It didn't become successful until it was shown on television in the 60s and 70s. You know, when I started to make the American Media and the second assassination of President John F. Kennedy, I was partially prompted to do this, Because when I was watching the Republican debates, if you can call those things (laughs) debates, it was Donald Trump who, who brought up the business of fake news. And I kept wondering, where did I hear that phrase? Where did I hear that phrase? And that phrase came from the only interview that Jim Garrison ever gave in the 10 years following the loss of the Clay Shaw trial. And that was on November 5th, 1981, when I did it for a show uh, at NBC, which we will get to later on. But he talked about fake news. And I sort of ignored it because at the time I was on, I was the writer, producer and co-host of Real People. And I was making $30,000 an hour, so I had no interest in talking. I I I remember that show. Yeah. That's it, right, and I had no interest in talking about the media at the time, but when the Trump started talking about fake news, I thought, where have I heard that before? I went back to the three hours of tape I had, and there was Jim Garrison talking about the birth and purpose of fake news, and in this interview I did in 1981, so I decided I was going to make the film. Before I made the film, I called a bunch of producers and directors and writers in Hollywood, including Harlan Ellison, my friend who just died a a few days ago, and I asked them all, what is the most important movie ever made in America now? They said things like The Godfather and Citizen Kane, but they're wrong. They are great movies, but they aren't important movies. Important movies are movies that change and improve society. So the only one that did that was Oliver Stone's JFK. It resulted, first of all, in the public becoming monstrously aware that maybe the CIA did kill the president, which, of course, Jim Garrison proved. And then it resulted in the passage of the Assassinations Record Act in the mid-90s. Now, you and I know That the military and the CIA intelligence agencies are not leaving around blueprints about how they murdered John Kennedy or Martin Luther King or Robert Kennedy or even Malcolm X. They all work in code. The reason the Central Intelligence Agency is fighting Donald Trump's attempts to get the files released is they do not want Jim Garrison's files released. Now, the Warren Report files are supposed to be released in the year 2039. They won't release garrisons for another 30 years after that. And when I interviewed him, I asked him if, if he was called by the House Select Committee. And he said no. He said he tore up the subpoenas the way the CIA heads tore up his subpoenas went at the trial of Clay Shaw. And by the way, he did not lose the Clay Shaw trial. He lost the conspiracy charge, but he won the perjury charge, his main charge, the one that he was after, proving that Clay Shaw knew Lee Harvey Oswald and David Ferry and had 87 witnesses to prove it, and the jury found him guilty. But again, the federal government stepped in to stop that investigation. So anyway... I made the American media in the second assassination of President John Kennedy. And as a former film critic, I am going to tell you emphatically, this now is the most important movie ever made in the United States of America because it's impossible to watch it filled with these hundreds and hundreds of facts of proof of proof that not only did the Central Intelligence Agency murder John Kennedy, but in the film, Jim Garrison says it was a no it was a no risk operation aided by elements in the media to spread the fiction before the truth set in, and that fiction was spread by Dan Rather and CBS so the end of the film. And when I did the interview with him in 1981, and I'll get to how that interview came about. When I did that interview with him, he told me that there were people, he gave me a list of all the people alive who should be uh, arrested and questioned about the murder of John Kennedy. Of course, a lot of them are dead. But the end of the movie results show there are 10 people still alive today who should be questioned about that? The case is still an open case in the Justice Department. The House Select Committee concluded there was a conspiracy to kill both Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy. turned it over to the Justice Department for further investigation, and they never investigated. So the end of the film shows me taking a wadded poster to the Justice Department. But here's the key and how simple it is to solve this case. The worst president in the United States was Bill Clinton, and I'll explain why in a minute. Thomas Jefferson said, you cannot have a functioning democracy unless you have a functioning free press. We do not have a functioning free press. When John Kennedy was murdered, A company or individual could only own five radio or television or newspapers in America. And what did Bill Clinton do? And all of this was revealed in 1981 when I interviewed Jim Garrison. The purpose of of fake news. The purpose of fake news... was was a project called Project Mockingbird, created by the Central Intelligence Agency in the 1950s. And the purpose was to infiltrate all American media, to change the hearts and minds about Americans who wanted peace, to create a society of what um, George Orwell and Gore Vidal called perpetual fake war. And the first fake war, as Garrison says in camera, is the Cold War because the Russians lost 25 million people. Do you think they had anything, any people to fight against the United States? The enemy to the United States, as Dwight Eisenhower warned us, and again, this is in the film, was peace. Eisenhower warned us of the military-industrial complex and to beware of the power of it. Well, Peace would kill prosperity in America because the Depression was not ended under Roosevelt until America went to war. America goes to war for five years. Now the country is prospering. But what are you going to do when you bring back a million and a half men? How many cars can they make? How many refrigerators can they make? How many will be sold? Everything is modeled after a year but you can make a bomb that goes off in a second that costs $15,000. And so they created this fake war policy. The next obvious one that everybody is aware of is Vietnam with the fake Gulf of Tonkin resolution. And then the most recent was Iraq with no weapons of mass destruction. I tell some people, Al and Kevin, do not watch my film. If, like Jack Nicholson said in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. Because it shows emphatically how America became the evil empire that Ronald Reagan once accused the Soviet Union of being. We all knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. And you may have heard of a woman named, I think her name is either Susan or Lucy Lindhauer, CIA agent. Um... You know name, what I'm talking? Uh, uh, yeah, the the name is familiar. Yes. Um, well, what's, I, I,
2: here okay. here in, in, in just a moment though, I want to I want to go backwards just a little All bit. Right, um, sure, sure. We we have covered a lot of ground, John, but there's a couple of things that I want to do to concentrate on. Okay. Um, l- let's go back to Project Mockingbird. That fascinates me. Uh, Would it be fair to say that 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 program was started so that all major news networks would all be on the same page of music and they would all put out the news that the government or
3: CIA told them to? Right. You're going to be stunned when you see the film because we have the head of the Central Intelligence Agency at the Church Committee in the mid-70s admitting The Central Intelligence Agency had 400 assets in every major media in America, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Newsweek, Time Magazine, the Wire Service, and even the Reader's Digest, admitting that these 400 people were writing the news for America. Now, that's when we had a so-called real enemy in Vietnam, Vietnam was, was no threat to the United States, but as Garrison said, the Central Intelligence Agency, or who are they, hit people for the corporation, the corporations had to get into Vietnam for their natural resources, which we do all around the world, from the Philippines to Latin America. Even, even Mark Twain, a 100 years ago, opposed to the fake Spanish war and the genocide we perpetrated in the Philippines. He said a hundred years ago, if you do not read American newspapers, you're uninformed. But if you do, you're misinformed. (laughs) That is truer today than it was then, because now we have no enemies. North Korea is no threat to us. Iran is never invaded. And Iran has never invaded anybody. As a matter of fact, in the film, you will see how the Central Intelligence Agency, Dulles and Eisenhower, arranged to have a a democratically elected president in Iran in the early 50s murdered. His name was Mossadegh. And the reason they murdered him is because he had nationalized British Petroleum wanting a better deal for his people over his country's oil.
2: And Eisenhower
3: and ordered Dulles to go murder him because he was setting a bad example. And so they murdered him. And we've done that in half a dozen Latin American countries. You can see it in John Perkins' great book called Economic Hitman, how we go in there and we try to bribe them, and if they don't accept the bribes, we murder them. And it... it, And it shows in the film how easy this is to correct. Now, I'm glad you brought up Project Mockingbird, because what Bill Clinton did, first of all, he repealed, uh, uh, he he set up, he signed NAFTA, which sent all our jobs overseas. Then he uh, repealed Glass-Steagall, set up under FDR to prevent Wall Street from gambling with our money. He repealed that and cost the 2008 recession. But the worst thing he did to destroy democracy was sign the Communications Act in the early 1990s that turned 95% of all media over to six major corporations. Now, you guys are probably not old enough to remember, but at one time in the 50s, and early 60s, the government said AT&T is a monopoly. You got to break it up. So right. they broke up the phone companies. Now we have a dozen great phone companies, including AT&T. The same thing happened with motion picture industry. They owned theaters where they showed their movies. And the government said that's a monopoly. You got to break it up. And so they broke them up. They must reverse the Communications Act. Now I told you that when Kennedy was killed... A person could only own five stations. There were 1,500 individual owners of television, radio stations, and newspapers in the United States in 1963. Now there are only six corporations. And let me tell you something else. There was something you will learn about that not even newsmen on the air today are aware of, even people who major in journalism. There was a time when we had what we call a fairness doctrine and equal time. Does that ring a bell to you?
2: Yes. Yes, it does. It, it's been brought up here in recent years. Uh,
3: well, when I interviewed uh, uh, Governor Reagan in 1970 when he was running for a second term, and I interviewed him on the morning show on ABC, a live show, I had to have a Democrat on. Then I had to have a socialist on. Then I had to have an axion, Anybody who could get 5% of the popular vote had to get equal and fair time. You could have not had a Hannity or an O'Reilly or a Rush Limbaugh, these conservative empire-pumping loudmouths, because you would have then had to give equal time to a Gorby Dahl or a Jane Fonda or anybody liberal who was opposed to the empire. And the one who got it destroyed accidentally was Jim Garrison. And it shows how it happened in the film. Jim Garrison, major witness, was a fellow named Perry Raymond Russo. He was the one who was at the meeting where Clay Shaw and David Ferry and Lee Oswald talked about triangulation, Dealey Plaza, the murder of John Kennedy. And the reason he came forward was after the public arrest of Clay Shaw, he didn't want to be implicated, so he ran to Garrison and said, "Hey, I was at the meeting, but I didn't have anything to do with it." And probably the fact that he was might be homosexual might came come up because all of these guys were homosexuals, including Lee Harvey Oswald, who was probably bisexual. But that had nothing to do with it because when Clay Shaw was arrested and Garrison discovered this, he ordered his staff never to say anything about his deviant sexual behavior because it has nothing to do with the murder that he helped plan. So anyway, NBC had a fellow named Walter Sheridan, who was a CIA and FBI asset, functioning as a producer. NBC ordered Walter Sheridan to go to New Orleans and literally... Destroy Jim Garrison's case. So the thing he did, he got a job for Perry Raymond Russo in Los Angeles for $50,000 a year in an insurance company. And he was going down to verify this and confirm this with Perry Raymond Russo at a a meeting in a motel. Russo called Garrison and told him about the meeting. And Mr. Garrison said, Perry, would you wear a wire? So he wore a wire. The bribery was recorded. Here's the most major criminal trial in American history, and NBC and the CIA and FBI are trying to disrupt this legal trial. So what happened is Garrison brings suit against them, which the government won't follow up on. NBC should have lost their broadcasting license. The head of NBC, Sarnoff, and anybody who participated in this should have been in prison. Instead, what they did, and you can Google it, they gave them a half hour late night, what they call equal time. It wasn't really equal time, because the hour that they did on him was obvious libel and obvious falsehoods. Garrison comes on camera. He even did it on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He looks into the camera and said, the Central Intelligence Agency murdered our president. The people who own this country, the 1% that own this country, your vote means nothing. My vote means nothing. It's like I own shares in General Motors stock and I can vote. And I do vote, but I have nothing to say about the design of the car, nothing to say about how many miles a carburetor gets. You have nothing to say about how these people run this country. So the owners are looking at Garrison and saying, we can't have this kind of truth on television anymore. They immediately rescind the fairness doctrine in equal time. And let me tell you, I'm the only critic in America... Who was challenged by equal time that was ruled on by the Supreme Court of the United States? Mm. You remember a movie called Soylent Green? Oh, oh Lord, yes. Just a god—an absolutely god awful movie, hey. as you know. Hey. As, Don, <laughs> as, as, as Don Merkel's demonstrated, you could always get laughs if you're really attacking somebody. So it was easy to get laughs and make jokes trashing this movie, but I felt so bad about how badly I was trashing the movie that I said, you know, I should say something nice about the movie, folks. So I will say, the sets are beautiful. (laughs) Then I I added, but they would be more beautiful if they'd been placed in front of the actors. Well, this, this quote was picked up by every magazine in America, and The producer of 20th Century Fox sued NBC to get equal time because a lot of writers who had written books that were savagely reviewed got equal time in magazines and newspapers to answer their critics. And NBC said no. So he took it to the Supreme Court in California. And they said no, you don't get equal time. He took it to the Supreme Court and five years later the Supreme Court ruled that he would not get equal time because John Barber's reviews were of absolutely no public importance so there you go but you see now on television and in the media you can see what's happening to Trump I mean MSNBC about two months ago did a whole hour where they hired psychiatrists who said that he was insane and should be taken out of office Now.
1: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: Oh, well, we could have gotten equal time to answer it and hire his own psychiatrist. You can be maligned on television and in the media and on the radio now, and you have no recourse except to go and spend your money and hire a private attorney and try to sue. Now, as for the... Uh, Central Intelligence Agency releasing the files. The two most important files were accidentally released in the early 90s. They're both in the movie. And the first one, dated 1967, is from their legal department, saying we have to assist Clay Shaw in New Orleans, otherwise Jim Garrison will get a conviction of Clay Shaw, our client, for conspiracy. Then the next most important memo was the one in which the CIA, in order to go after Mark Lane and Joaquin Jostan and Harold Weisberg and a lot of wonderful people doing work at their own expense privately, they created what they call this conspiracy theory. And they must, and they tried to align it with UFOs and tinfoils. So those two documents are already in the film. No, I get. I submitted it to 22 film festivals. All of them rejected it. In, in, in spite of the fact that the first Garrison tapes ran away with uh, uh, the film festival full awards in Europe. I even submitted it to the Moscow Film Festival, hoping that what Putin would do for me, what he had done for Donald Trump, but they, but he, but even they rejected it. Collusion. And worst Collusion. collusion. Yes. yes, but worst of all, get this. I have some very prominent friends in what they call the assassination community, and it is not a community at all. It's a bunch of ego trying to sell their $25 books. Not one of these prominent people, has, with the exception of Leno Sanek on Black Opera Hill in Canada, has recommended the film... And William Madsen Law, who knows more about the failed uh, and incomplete autopsy at Parkland, these are the only two people who've come out and said, this is the absolute definitive film on the assassination of President John Kennedy and the birth and purpose of fake news. Because why should the others sell a $2 movie when they're selling a $25 book? So, but... It is a runaway smash hit on Amazon, and all you have to do is Google the American media and the second assassination of John Kennedy, go to Vimeo or Amazon, and you can read scores and scores of five-star unrequested, unsolicited reviews. I'll tell you something interesting else about that. I have, since I'm not getting any help except some, except from wonderful people like yourself who happen to hear about it. Now you haven't heard about the second film. You only are belatedly calling me because you saw the first film, and I thank you, thank you, thank you deeply for that. But you're gonna you're gonna stand up and cheer after you see the second film. You just absolutely almost all of the things that you're thinking are verified in that film. There's nothing theoretical about this. Everything is a fact. Not one critic in America on the major press, I mean, the L.A. Times dismissed it as what they call conspiracy porn. That was the review, and they called me an old, angry curmudgeon, which I am. <laughs> that, 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 that part the of the review, conspiracy they got porn. <laughs> That's right, because there was no way they could refute one of the facts in the film so they dismissed the entire film but you know when I screened this year and a half ago at the Texas theater where Lee Harvey Oswald were arrested there were 300 people at the first rough cut screening there was a spontaneous eruption standing ovation for five or ten minutes I was so moved I couldn't even do the Q&A afterwards I was in tears. But 75% of all of those people had not been born when John Kennedy was killed. But somehow or another, there is something about about his heritage, something about America that they know has gone awry since the murder of John Kennedy. And it's almost metaphysical. You know, I said earlier I'm a non-believer, but there's something about that. The word of mouth is astonishing. Anyway, five months ago, I did get a call from Jesse Ventura. Now, I had been trying. I have my own little radio show. Every It's called John Barber's World on BBS radio every second Monday. And I've been trying for 10 years to get Ventura on my show to ask him just one question. And I got a call out of the blue from him. He had heard about the documentary and wanted four copies. And I said... I'll send you the four copies if you'll do me a favor and come on my show. I have a question to ask you. He said, what's the question? I said, you come on the show and I'll ask you. So he came on the show. He's the only guest other than two others that I've had on for an entire hour. And the question was this. He had said casually when he, when he became governor, offhandedly, he said the first thing that happened when I showed up at the office There were eight to ten CIA agents there to to question and interview me. And I asked him if he had recorded the conversations, had he written their names down, and why on earth would the CIA want to question him? He said at the time he did not know why. But he realized later what they do is they profile any independent who may turn out to be a threat to peace and to the establishment. So anyway... I give him, and during the interview, we got along great because I told him inside stories about Muhammad Ali that only he knew. We had a great time. So I, when the show ended, I said, Governor, on November 22nd, 2018, maybe I could come on and we could talk about the film. He said, no, no, John, you're going to come on right away. We've got a strike with the iron's hot. Two months ago, he called me and said, we're setting up a studio for you to go live in, in Las Vegas. I'm going to interview you, and you're going to be on, on the air. Uh, we're going to can it, but we're going to show it later. So anyway, I do the interview. The interview only lasts 15 minutes, and I think, my goodness, that's not enough time for such an important, world-changing subject. Right. So I was, I was depressed and disappointed, but that's all right. Anyway, two weeks ago... I get a note from the producer, John. Thank you so much for being on the show. Here's the clip, and it's called Project Mockingbird and John Barber. And you know what? I didn't even want to look at it because, like Richard Burton, this great actor, he never liked to watch himself on the screen, and neither do I. But out of curiosity, I, I looked in. The first 15 minutes of the show was about, Project Mockingbird with all the material lifted from my film,
2: which was wonderful because it's
3: all authenticated. And the last 15 minutes was me being interviewed. And and Jesse, because of time factors, had to interrupt me twice. But it was a very lively interview. And I sent him a note thanking him and complimenting on it, him on doing such a really good show. They got hundreds and hundreds of responses sort of angry at him for not having me on longer to talk about such an important subject. One of them was written by a lady in Boston who's bilingual, and she wrote it in Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, within, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. within... collusion. Yes, within 10 days, it's had 45,000 hits. Now, look at how wonderful that is, but how sad it is... The Jesse Ventura, when he lost the governorship, everybody knew his name. He was the most popular media person in America. So CNN and MSNBC started bidding war to hire him. MSNBC wins. And he's to get the hour that there's some girl that's on there now on MSNBC. It's supposed to be quite popular. I forget her name. But he was supposed to have gotten gotten that hour the first show he wanted to do was about the Warren Report and they called him into the office and they had papers on the desk and they said you cannot do the Warren Report you can't be critical of the Warren Report and we want you to sign this document that says you will not do anything contrary to the Warren Report and Jesse said well that's a bunch of BS I'm not going to sign that so they fired him hadn't even gotten on the air yet but His contract would not let him be on anybody else's show for three years. So the fortune that they paid him went into his building, a big castle in Mexico, and he calls it the house that MSNBC built. As a result of that, there's another radio show called Radio Sputnik, sponsored by the Russians. Three times they've called me to be on the show. How sad it is that people like yourself, now you have to be sort of underground in America, but the Russian government is sponsoring Jesse to do his show to broadcast to America. It's like the voice of Russia or the voice of America. He should be able to be on the air in his own native land. And that is, to me, where we are in America today. But all this... No, but straight.
2: all of this goes goes kind of towards your point, John. Um, let's go all the way back to Garrison. When he was on TV, like you said, he was on Johnny Carson, and right. he's looking straight into the camera and talking about the CIA killing John F. Kennedy. As, as we move forward, you know, you've got people like Jesse Ventura eh, that are out there trying to get these facts out. But... The media, through Project Mockingbird and other programs that they use, their tactic now, almost a Saul Alinsky tactic, is to make you fringe. They call it conspiracy theory, and they make you look crazy because they
3: have a majority of the media, and people yeah, rely you know, on that. You know, you know how simple – you know, it's so simple – to resolve, look at Robert Kennedy a couple of weeks ago uh, a couple of weeks ago has come out and said that you know there should be uh, another hearing for Sirhan because he doubts that Sirhan might have killed his father all Robert Kennedy, now he got a little mainstream media but people were afraid to put him down and call him a cuckoo bird okay The Justice Department building is called the Robert F. Kennedy Justice Department. If Robert Kennedy Jr. had the testicles, all he has to do is walk over to the Justice Department from his office, have a camera with him, go in there and say, this is an open cold case, I want you to investigate the murder of my uncle which led to the murder of my father. Now, originally, the House Select Committee was going to investigate the murder of Robert Kennedy, but they threw it out because it was so easy to prove that Sir Hand did not kill him. And again, this is also in the film. Thomas Noguchi's autopsy is in the movie. Robert Kennedy was shot in the back of the head from no no farther away than two and a half inches because of the extensive powder burns, and Sirhan with six feet in front of him. It was an impossibility, and the CIA confiscated the photographs of a young man who took photographs of what like the security guard shooting John Kennedy in the back of the head. It's easier to prove his innocence than it is Oswald's innocence. I mean, you're going to be astounded at the film. The facts are all there what people should be asking donald trump it is not important for the leaders of the country to answer our questions or the questions of reporters it's imperative though that the reporters to preserve any semblance of democracy to ask the question and the first question i would ask donald trump i would say mr president if you are so opposed to fake news why do you not reverse the communications act And don't let anyone own more than seven stations in the United States as it existed in 1970. And that's the only reason that I got on television in 1970. In uh, Los Angeles, there were huge Chicano riots. And at that time, a company could own seven stations. ABC happened to own seven stations, one in L.A. And they showed cartoons in the morning and the Chicano community wanted more representation on television, 20,000 of them took to the streets. So they scuttle the cartoons, and they're going to create a morning news show. I auditioned against 40 quite famous people in L.A., and I was stand-up comic, for God's sake. <laughs> and, I got, and I got the job. And not only that, it's when I first tried to book Jim Garrison. I believe the government. You know, uh, why would the government lie to me? Why would Walter Cronkite and Dan Rather, why would they lie to me? Why would the New York Times lie to me? Certainly, Jim Garrison's a kook. But as a street kid, I said, hey, if he's a kook, it's been like almost two years. Why don't they get out of his way and let him fall on his face? Which is exactly what he said in 1968 when he was on the Carson show. If they think I'm a kook, get out of my way. But they wouldn't get out of his way. And then again, as I said, when he won the perjury charge, the government stepped in and stopped it. I accidentally, there I go, back to the business of accidents in my life. I read Heritage of Stone in a bookstore. The author's Jim Garrison. I stood in that store for four hours reading the whole book. I couldn't believe it. He had to sue Time Life to get the Zapruder film. There There was... a uh, a doctor brought as a, a, prosecu- a defense witness who, under cross-examination, said the generals prevented the autopsy, and the lead general was probably General Curtis LeMay. Now, all of this stuff is in his book. I didn't know this, so I rush home. I call him immediately the next morning, and I tell him I've read Heritage of Stone, And Al and Kevin, he laughed and he said to me, oh, you must be the other one that only sold two copies. But in any event, (laughs) I booked him on the show and he kept saying, you won't get away with it. You won't get away with it. And I told him, listen, I just won my first Emmy and we're just doing great. He agreed to do the show. I was fired the next day and he was canceled. Now, I did not think, I did not think at all It had anything to do with the assassination. I just thought this is show business. And you never have a real job forever in show business. So since I had been a critic on the air, the first person to do that, I ended up at a local station doing reviews and Tom Brokaw saw me and brought me to NBC in Los Angeles where I I was for five years. And I never had met Garrison, but twice we talked on the phone. Once was during the Vietnam War and I became Frank Sinatra's private writer for four and a half years. And he knew I had this long feud with Johnny Carson. And uh, so, despite Carson, he had me. Sinatra took over the show one night and had me on to do a stand up. And if you go to my site, YouTube forward slash John com, you can see that stand up. And Sinatra, anyway, in the monologue, one of my lines was. Watergate is something that may have put America on the brink of democracy. Well, it got an ovation, and that was in <laughs> that was in like 1977, and I got a call from Mr. Garrison. He he laughing. He said, "Can I borrow that line?" And he, you certainly may borrow that. So that was the only conversation I had with. But in 1981, because of a very successful show, Real People, uh, the owner of the show, George Slaughter, was. Offered a chance to do a news, for uh, a news information entertainment show. Do you remember the Movie Network?
0: Oh yeah, mm. yep.
3: Yeah. It was when I was a critic. I said it's the only movie ever made in America that Americans will go to to listen to. It is the best written script ever in the history of motion pictures. I mean, Paddy Shaevsky's script is so topical. It's all almost the documentary. Anyway, do I have four or five minutes to finish telling this story?
0: Yeah, you've about got about that left.
3: Yes. Okay, then. Here, I'll do it quickly. Anyway, get, uh, uh, Schlatter was offered a, a chance to do a show called Speak Up America and uh, kept asking me to help him do uh, stories. And I said, no, I'm having enough time keeping real people on the air. Then I read about the House Select Committee conclusions that Four shots and been fired, so I called Garrison immediately, asked him if he felt vindicated. He said, John, I feel like a blind man who's gotten a small trophy in a very dark room. Only I know I've gotten it. And so I said, well, you must be deluged with calls. has not Dan Rather call Walter Cronkite Huntley Brinkley? He said, you're the only person I've heard from. And I said, well, I'm going to come down and tell your story. He said, John, I haven't told it to anyone in 10 years, and you're the only one I will tell it to. I went down there September 5th, 1981, put him on camera for three and a half hours. There was so much material, it had to be a two-parter. The first parter, you could not get into the studio because it was the first time Garrison had been seen in prime time. And here he was on NBC saying, Lee Harvey Oswald, had nothing to do with the assassination. As a matter of fact, the test showed he never even fired a shot. Well, it got an ovation. Now, part two... It was, you, it, you couldn't get in the place. It was like a pope or the president was there. People were so hungry to hear the truth. In the interview, I asked him how many shooters there were. And he said, uh, team, there were three teams, two in front one in back, two or three on the team. Then I said to him, how many people do you think knew he would be murdered in Dealey Plaza? And he extrapolated, he said, it's a need-to-know basis. They started the plan when he turned down the air support in Cuba. So he extrapolated on a need-to-know basis about 32 people. Anyway, I had edited the story. I'm at home watching it because I'm building a new house. And on come, I had hired Marjorie Gortner to be the host to do this story. Marjorie, and, but at midnight, George Slaughter took the story down to the editing room, and all this is on film, in my film. And he was there to re-edit the story. So that when Marjo Gortner asked him on the air how many shooters there were in Dealey Plaza, Garrison says, 32, Hmm. which makes him look insane. The phone rings and it's George Slaughter saying that Garrison's a nut. And I start screaming that he's a nut. I have accidentally recorded this phone conversation and Garrison is going to sue you and he's going to own you and he's going to own NBC. And I call Garrison and I'm crying. I'm sobbing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sue them. Sue them. I have the audio recording. And he said, John, if I sued everyone, I would never see my family if I sued them for libel we love your show please send me a couple of real people t-shirts and keep the show on the air well of course i was finished with the show i almost had fights with slaughter the next day <laughs> and i was fired now to end it up i don't know why george slaughter did that i never questioned him but i don't put it in the book he was a very close friend with nixon and when george bush was elected george slaughter produced his inaugural ball so but all of this is in the film and I've waited for all these years to slaughter, for Schlaughter to sue me so in discovery I can find out who ordered him or suggested to him that he re-edit that film and maybe we could also find out who was sitting with Dan Rather to tell him he must lie about the direction of the gunshot to John Kennedy's head Mm, and it may actually have to come to that.
2: But now, John, if if people have more information or they have something that's you know imperative to further investigation in this, how can they get in touch with you?
3: Well, uh, uh, my uh, my email is John Sarita. That's J O H N S A R I T A. John Sarita at aol dot com. But I must tell you, Al and Kevin. The case is solved. There's no more necessary information. I mean, I must tell you, I am so offended by most of these assassination sites because they're involved with endless trivia. Is that Oswald at the front of the Texas School Book Depository? Is there gunshots on the windshield? Who gives a crap? That is information that comes out of the trial. These people should be holding their seminars or their conventions or whatever every November twenty sixth in front of the Justice Department. November twenty sixth, November twenty seventh, twenty second should become America's Bastille Day. If you want to get to the root of all the problems in this country, from the assassination of John Kennedy to nine one one, all you have to do is solve this case. And the person who said that was Jimmy Carter. And they attempted to murder Jimmy Carter in Los Angeles. And the names of the, the assassins, you will not believe when you see the film. Yes, and
2: the new film is the American media and the second assassination of President John F. Kennedy. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com.
3: Show is over.